good to have the McCandlesses with us today. Brother Eric McCandless is pastor at Empire Baptist Temple, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We consider them dear friends. Would you come, brother, and bring the word of God to us? And what a blessing this week's been. It's just been tremendous. Let me just take a moment while you're turning to 1 Corinthians 11 and just encourage Mount Zion Baptist, as is already mentioned by Brother Bell. I know most aren't here because you're working. But it was about a year ago when you had to pull the plug on that, that all that work, all that effort, and my wife and I, we just hurt for the church. We just realized the effort that was put in and then having to cancel at the last minute and I, my prayer is that this week your cups will be filled and overflowing where you get all that back and even the chicken cordon bleu, you get, you get all that replaced back just in God's blessings to you. As you've been a blessing to us, yeah. church, you really have. And I appreciate it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we obviously are entering into a, an interesting book, a book of division a book of problem, a book of complications that are hard to unravel, and it's quite a book, it's quite a hard book to, to read and, and be edified by because it's got so much instruction that is dealing with hardship. And it says in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 11, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. That's an interesting phrase that often we'll connect with, keeping the ordinances. I found in my life that that is easier to copy than to keep. It's easier to look at the ordinances as a knee-jerk reaction, as a muscle memory, as a, an ability to just memorize where to get what and who's available for what and how to do what and what elements, what participants, uh, what the structure is. It's a little harder to keep. I believe in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul deals with this and opens it up. And it's quite interesting to consider that in a divided church as Corinth was, dealing with everything that's been dealt with in these preceding 10 chapters, it's quite interesting to find an overview of the Lord's Supper being dealt with as one of the ordinances. It seems as though it doesn't fit, like, like that should be in maybe 1 or 2 Timothy. You know, it's kind of an instructive pattern for here's how you do this. But it, it fits pretty well when you consider what God is opening up. This is not, of course, where we live. We don't live in Corinth, but maybe we have similar issues. Maybe our church may have the propensity to also have some division in it or some struggles with it. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is our age. This is our time. This is our uh, time to be who we're supposed to be. In fact, we we're born, uh, it would seem, for such a time as this. This is our age, and I would suggest that the world has never more urgently needed a church that knows how to keep the ordinances. And when I say a church, I'm certainly talking about churches in a setting like this. Uh, in the history of time that Jesus uh, established his church during his earthly ministry, ever since that time, uh, we've never been more fluid at publishing the gospel than we are today. We've never been more technologically advanced to get the gospel 
on personal devices of people all across the globe at just the, literally the stroke of a, a key. And yet it could possibly be argued that never since the time of Jesus Christ establishing his church during his earthly ministry have we done a worse job at actually fulfilling the Great Commission. I suggest that there might be uh, an issue, there might be a reason for that, that the Lord's uncovering here for us and can be a help to us. The vast majority of churches are commissioned by God's grace to go ye therefore, and often that is not happening. Uh, perhaps it could be said that our stats aren't as good as they should be, considering the age we are in. This is kind of a hard intro, but the, the reason for it is because I have a burden, and I appreciate the spirit of this meeting allowing us to express there is a burden for this time, for this age, and we must be about our Father's business. In an age where people are so starved for real that they'll actually watch reality programs uh, for long, long hours, it, it shames me that we don't have more real to give them. Amen. So let's look at this. Amen. Do we keep the ordinances or merely copy them? In uh, the context, as we see this, the Lord is not uh, going to praise them when we get down into the Lord's Supper. If you look down at verse 18, it says, For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I, I partly believe that. The verse before, it says this, this isn't praiseworthy because this isn't for the better, it's for the worse. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16, we find the Lord's table is split into the two elements. Obviously, one is the blood, which represents soteriology. That's where our salvation comes from. That's where our oneness with the Lord is all about. And what a tremendous communion that is to spend time with our Savior. But we also see in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16 that the bread is mentioned, the, the one loaf, the bread that is broken, and certainly that is an ecclesiastical understanding of what a, what a loaf is, what one bread is, what it, what it means to have communion in the Lord's body. Amen. To define the, the Lord's Supper, it certainly seems to break down into a need to understand I'm saved because it pleased God, and I'm in the house of God that God put me in because it pleased him to place me there. And these are taught often in scripture, but this pa passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 appears to have muddied that water. We, we certainly have seen many divisions by the time we get to chapter 11 and verse 18, where Paul says, and I partly believe it. Amen. So what is it about the Lord's Supper that they're getting wrong? If you look down in verse 20, apparently they know how to come together. I'm pretty sure that's a, that's a response that is biblically based, to come together. Amen. It, it certainly in verse 20 goes on. It says, into one place. I think that would seem to correlate with what's right to do in the Lord's table. The point is they're getting some of the technology of the Lord's table right but they're missing the purpose. They're missing the purpose. We're going to look at that. The Old Testament, if we were to hold our Bible and kind of understand about that much of your Bible is a pattern of people who seem to get the copy technique down pretty good. But they missed the purpose so thoroughly. They didn't keep the ordinances so thoroughly that at the end God break them off. 
They were no longer entrusted with the word of God, the mission of God, the purpose of God. They were no longer a people. The habitation of God switched to a New Testament church. And I think it behooves us to understand we also could be break off if we don't keep and understand the ordinances. So we're going to take a little time this morning. It's perhaps unusual in a preacher's meeting to hear doctrine, uh, but I think it'll be okay because it's helpful doctrine. It's something we would all understand. We need to keep the Lord's doctrine on this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Look, if you would, for a moment at the sobriety of this issue. Again, down to verse 27, and we see a word of unworthily. That's a heavy word. Is it possible that a saved church member is perhaps not worthy to partake of the Lord's table? Obviously, the church at Corinth likely had a significant percentage of people unworthy. Maybe that's why in verse 20, Paul made the comment that he said, this is not the Lord's Supper. Maybe they thought it was. Maybe they thought, hey, we're coming together and we're in one place. We're, we're doing this. This is a good routine. And verse 20, Paul says, no, this is not to take the Lord's Supper. Verse 21, he says, for in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. So we're not taking the Lord's Supper. We're, we're actually taking our own supper. Perhaps that's why Paul is saying this, because there's, a, there's an unworthiness the practice and the participants are clearly taught in other passages. What Paul begins to focus in here is, what's the purpose? What is the purpose of the Lord's table? Another word to consider in verse 27 is the word guilty, liable, guilty. We'll have a response or a, a recognition that God will hold us responsible because he says this is a guilty issue. Verse 29, we see the word damnation. These are all heavy words. These aren't uh, enjoyable to write, I'm sure, for the Apostle Paul. And they're certainly not enjoyable to preach. But I'll tell you what, they're a whole lot less enjoyable to stand before an almighty God and be unworthy and guilty and find that damnation, which is literally a judgment. It's a separation of the guilt from the innocent. The act of participating in the ordinance unworthily forces the hand of God's judgment. It's interesting to note thus far in the book of 1 Corinthians there's been some ungodly sin discussed. None of it has forced what God said will be forced at the Lord's table. The judgment that is about to unfold off of this was not even found in some of the most heinous crimes a church can have. Verse 30 goes on, it says, For this cause many are weak. A word weak is a word that indicates the inability, the unable, the lack of strength to do something. No longer can I do all things through Christ Jesus with strengtheneth me, because God says, no, there's a, there's a weakness. Is it possible that th there are spiritual to-dos that God's people may be too weak to accomplish? Is it possible that the go ye therefore is maybe not being done because of a weakness or the ordaining elders in every city is not being done because of a, a weakness or standing before kings is not being done because of a, a weakness? Do we just preach the to-do lists or does our desire to do them actually focus on why are we too weak to do these things? 
Are we missing something? Another word in verse 30 that jumps out is the word sickly. Sickly, obviously, right among us, a sick or a cancerous eating away at the remainder of health. And ladies and gentlemen, this isn't a good thing. This is a hard thing. Sickness in the body is never helpful. It inhibits the entire body. A sick body is a vulnerable body. It seems odd to be satisfied with ecclesiastical sickness while claiming to have a relationship with the great physician. It seems as though there's a tension that somehow Satan had more influence on the church at Corinth than the balm of Gilead had on the church of Corinth. There's no indication we're dealing with a bunch of lost people that just happen to jump on board and call themselves a church. The indication's quite the opposite. Verse 30 uses a third word in that verse that says sleep. For this cause many are weak and sickly and many sleep. Sleep, the idea of spiritual or physical death. It's hard to imagine a more catastrophic issue in a church than to read what is shown in these words. Verse 31 uses the word judged. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Yes, the Lord will rule His house. He will. Amen. Amen. That's not ours to question or consider. It's just He he will. It, It will be happening. And verse 32 uses the word chastened. When we are chastened of the Lord, the, the, the bottom line is if we're not tender enough to learn <laughs> in the heart, then he'll make sure we get tender by learning on the backside. But one way or the other, we're going to be chastened. We will learn. You see, judgment will begin at the house of God. And why would we doubt that the Lord will chasten us in the midst of the Lord's suppers where this whole conversation is coming out? Remember in verse 12, the, the, um, the comment, that's not in verse 12. I'm sorry, I wrote down the wrong verse. Um, the condemnation is in verse 32. I said verse 12, but verse 32. We're not, we're not under the same condemnation as the world. And I'm so thankful Romans 8, 1 is there. Uh, there is therefore now no condemnation. We don't stand in that same condemnation, but we do need to understand the sobriety What ought to be sacred can become sacrilege. What ought to be a Passover can actually become the judgment that the Passover is supposed to avoid. What ought to be a blessing can become a cursing. We understand this as we read this. Lord's Supper is a sobering thing. This Lord's Supper focuses us to go somewhere deeper than just muscle memory goes into a spirituality, a spirituality that's different. Look, if you would, again, at some words that jump out, verse 28. But let a man examine himself. I've never found examination of self to conclude with anything less than a repentant, woe is me. I've never gone through a Examine me, prove me, try my reins, try my heart. Never gone through that without feeling so unworthy, so unattainable of what God's mark of this is where I want you, son. I've never been there. And that this verse is a very spiritual verse. Examination of self will seldom reveal a pat on the back. 
It's almost always the opposite. It's an abhorrence of self, a loathing of self, a, a drive to repentance. It takes a great depth of spiritual honesty to truly and deeply examine oneself. It doesn't take a whole lot of spirituality to pick up a box of matzo crackers. Amen. Amen. Doesn't take a whole lot of spiritual depth to just, you know, well, we'll do it on this night so all the visitors that may come just don't come because we, we practice closed on the Lord's table. I think that's, that's evident in the message. But I think it, that doesn't take a whole lot of spirituality, but examining yourself does. And then the next thing that jumps out at us down in verse 29 is it says discerning the Lord's body. Apparently they weren't discerning the Lord's body. Well, the indication is therefore we ought to discern the Lord's body. The body which is the church, the church which is the body, that's found clearly in Scripture without studying that all out. And while we need to be honest about ourselves, we also need to be honest and see clearly the church. What church am I a member of? The, the idea of discernment is a nasty word in our culture. It's the act of discrimination. D understanding who is in and who is out. That's what discerning the body is. This is an idea of sorting that which is in from that which is not in. And I want you to understand this is an often overlooked principle and, and Paul's dealing with this. He's getting kind of heavy on it. Look at verse 21 again. It says, For in eating every one taketh before other his own supper. Well, his own, that means you're not discerning the body. It's all about the universal me, myself, I, church, rather than the, you know, the Lord set me in a body. Amen. What, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? We heard a message about swerving, and sometimes that's what the swerving is, is gaining towards, is what, what do I get out of this? What will happen if, if I look to greener pastures, etc., etc.? Well, that's not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 22, the Bible says this, Have you not houses to eat and drink in, or despise ye? Yeah. I didn't write this. God's Holy Spirit said that the idea of discrimination not being done is to despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not. So here you have a church full of cliques, full of groups, full of we're better than you, we get this, you don't get that, and there's a shame that begins developing. Listen, I believe a local church and every local church ought not have a hierarchy of who's who and who's a nobody. They're all on the same boat with the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a communion with the blood and there's a communion with the bread together that must happen or there's a shame and a despising that's going to take place. Amen. God took a bunch of nobodies and he adopted us in a family. But that's not where we stop. He then understood what a body is and how this works together. Amen. Verse 20, it just, Paul sums it up. When you come there for together in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. You're eating your own supper. It's not the Lord's. The Lord's is in that way. The Lord discerns the body. There should be no disconnection when we preach this to our people. This isn't just for them. The preachers need to understand this too. In fact, pastors ought to be experts in discerning the body. We should know who is in and who is out. We should understand who is in someone else's and who is not in someone else's. 
Perhaps a question could be asked, to whom am I joined? Am I joined more heavily to the family or to the bride? Am I joined more interconnected to those outside or those on the inside? Whose needs do I supply and who supplies my needs, those in or those out? With whom will I weep, those without or those within? These are all Bible principles discerning the Lord's body. It requires a spirituality that is not shallow. Any universalist can discount the body. Any universalist can say it doesn't matter, will you? Amen. They said uh, apparently it was okay with them. There's a third word that jumps out. One is examine. Two is discern. Three is judge. Verse 31 says this, For if we would judge ourselves, That word judge is a word for ruling. We know that God will rule His house, but what the Lord's saying here, you ought to rule yourself. If we would judge ourselves, doctrine should rule emotion. But I have a, I love this. Doctrine should rule our feelings. Doctrine is not that which is subject to prejudice. Prejudice is subject to doctrine. And understanding this rule of self or this judge just helps us understand this. I've got a responsibility. It's pretty spiritual. Number one, I've got to examine this guy. Our church needs to examine our church. Amen. We spend a lot of time examining others. We're pretty good at that. Maybe it's more beneficial to examine self. We spend a lot of time discerning what we could have in the body. I hesitate. I have a lot of young men here this week. My men, I have a deacon here. I have an assistant pastor. I have one of my other men here. I have Brother Todding and pray for me. That's been a... That's been a blessing. <laughs> we have a lot of young men here, and my heart understands the, the, the value of what God sets in a local church. And at the same time, there's a fear factor of, of understanding that that's a vulnerable place as well. Amen. A lot of po- potential that could be harvested wrongly. Discerning and understanding where the Lord's body is. And then that self-judging, will I really force myself to be right and satisfied with God's choices in my life? Will I rule over that and know, you know what, that's not mine. Yes, yes, that is mine. Each one of these, self-examination and discerning and self-judging, these require a serious level of spirituality. It's not complicated. It's actually really simple. But verse 19 says, I hear there be divisions, verse 18 rather, He says there's divisions, and then look at verse 19. It says, For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. I believe what God does sometimes is He takes this division and He uses it. And He says this is not not abnormal, this is not unusual, but those who are spiritual, they're going to rise to the surface. Amen. They're going to understand, hey, I swerved. I need to get back on. Hey, my mind was distracted. I need to not be distracted. I was almost in a problem, and I don't want to go. It's It's going to show those or manifest those that are approved. Amen. You see, when God asks us to separate this in our mind, it usually separates the sheep 
from the non-sheep. It takes a spiritual level to do this. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 9. He said, keep my body under subjection lest I myself should be cast away when I preach to others. Amen. Amen. And keeping myself there. Hebrews 12 says, looking diligently. Looking diligently lest this root of bitterness creep up and, and it defile you and many get defiled thereby. It's this whole concept of my saving faith is either real or it's not. It's either of value or it's not. Can I suggest something, brethren? The Bible has an answer for us, no matter what the division or what the problem is. And some of it is found in the purpose of the doctrine. Not the copying of it, but the keeping of it. The forcing ourselves to agree that the Lord is right without our need to manipulate the situation. Matthew chapter 26, we understand that the the ideas are ripe throughout the Bible, but Matthew 26 says it this way in verse 25, a man that will save his life shall lose it. Do we believe that? What if a man loses life? He shall for my sake Find it. Maybe we ought to be more of a, of a help in our people losing their life. Un- Amen. Yeah. So, but you just don't know what church they're in. Well, I'll just say it this way. Don't empower them to deny their cross by running from the heavy spiritual lifting God requires of them. Amen. Empower them to embrace the cross. And really, that's where this, this message ends. And we'll look at this in 1 Corinthians 11. It's time to showcase the cross. Verse 26 says it this way. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. That word show is a word for preaching. It's a word for publishing, for cataloging. It's the idea of publishing the gospel. Like I said, we've got the technology. We've got the means We've got the wherewithal, but what we don't always have is a local community that can see the effect of what the gospel's done in a local group of people. Maybe that's what we need. The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. I believe the Lord's gospel and the Lord's ordinances rightly kept will preach the gospel clearly. Number one, it'll show yourself. God is real in me. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11 says, Hereby we know that He dwelleth in us. And you know the rest. It has something to do with the way we have relations within where God put us. That love of the brethren. He says, Hereby we know this. It can show the gospel to yourself. It can show the gospel to the Lord. Amen. It can show off that I get to bear my cross for the glory of God. Amen. It's not always about looking for the greener grass or the better fit or the newer substance. It's about knowing I am where God put me. It pleased Him. And by God's grace, I get to bear my cross and surrender to the fact that my God is perfect and nothing else is. I don't need to find the perfect fit. I need to be the perfect son of a perfect Savior. Amen. Thirdly, I get to show to the world. I get to showcase to the world my gospel. Can I just say this bluntly? 
world could care less whether you practice close, closed, or close, uh, close, open, whatever. They, they don't care. They, they're like, they're not really worried about that at all. They're worried about meth and abortions, and they're, they're struggling. They don't care what you practice. They don't care whether you use a certain element or not. But they will know if you're divided. They will know if you can't get along in, in a local church. I'm not saying you as brethren, but I mean in local churches. They will notice if there is a spirit of unity. They'll notice these things. Amen? It will show the Lord's death. He died for me. I get to die for Him. Amen. This is the summary of this real quick. Israel spent their entire existence copying the ordinances. They got it right. They knew what season to have what meal, when to not eat, when to do this. When to, they had it all right, and yet they got it all wrong. They were given one task. You remember what it was? You be the people of God, and all the world will come and taste of you. After a while, no one was tasting. But they had it all right. They had the blood, they had the times, they had the seasons, they had, but they had it all wrong because they weren't reaching the world. We have a different task. We're not one. We are many. We're to go you therefore. And I'm afraid if we just copy the ordinance and we just pattern it as though it's all about elements and participants and we miss the purpose of the Lord's table to be a communing with our Lord and the blood of what He's done for us and a communing with the brethren of where He's put us, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 16. If we miss that purpose, we've kind of missed the whole thing, haven't we? Amen. It's kind of what it's all about. Let's show that the, that the Lord's ordinance are worthy of keeping, not just copying. Amen.